You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. London, England. Uh, it's actually my first time across the pond. Uh, so it's good to get out of the house, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, but uh, definitely, uh, it's just so awesome to, to land in a country and see and meet a bunch of sold-out brothers and sisters that have the same heart, the same conviction, and the same love for God. I think, uh, you know, Tim and all the disciples of uh, Canada wish they could be here. They send their love. They send their gratitude just for your prayers. Uh, It's been incredible since we've uh, been there. We landed June 1st uh, in Toronto, the mission team, with 10 people. And in seven months, God has blessed us to be 29 strong. You know, and, uh, I could have said 30, but we had to send Steve Frazier back to you. And then, uh, I didn't want to tell you, but this is actually a secret mission to bring him on back to us. But uh, turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to jump right in this morning. men in the house tonight. Yeah. You know, what's incredible is, is something, something someone told me once, and I'm going to have you guys do it with me today. I want each and every one of you to look me in the eye yeah. and say, I am God's man. I'm God's man. God's man. I don't believe you. Oh. Let's try it again. Yes. Ready? On three. I am God's do you believe it this morning? Yes. Amen. Well, the title I've been given today is Transformation Through Discipling. Amen. And if you believe you're God's man, you believe in discipling. Yes. You know, uh, I hope we're taking notes this morning because God has a message for us. Amen. Romans chapter 12 will lead me to my first point. The first point this morning is dying To be a living sacrifice. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers of the European Winter Workshop, (laughs) in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Because we've spent enough time in the past doing that already. Amen, brothers? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, all through the scriptures, guys, especially in the the Old Testament, we get a very clear, although sometimes very graphic, picture of what it means to sacrifice to God. You know, literally, you read the Old Testament, and a lot of people just think the Old Testament is just a a gore fest. This animals dying, people dying, right? And we literally see even, even David slaughtering thousands upon thousands of oxen as he brings the Ark of the Covenant back. Come on, bro. We see Abraham on the mountain called To sacrifice his only son. You know, 
And at the end of the day, it doesn't really paint a, a, a wonderfully encouraging outcome for the sacrificed being. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so when the Bible says that, hey, there's a sacrifice coming and it calls us to be the sacrifice. That can be scary when we picture what the Old Testament teaches about sacrifice. But we understand the whole idea of sacrifice is a thing dedicated to God. And we know that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So God has not changed His ideas about sacrifice. His demand for it hasn't been forgotten. Only this time, the dedicated thing to God is alive and it's you. Good morning. And quite interestingly here, Paul, he really makes mention of the full scope of the sacrifice to God. He says, if you look closely here, it's the full sacrifice is the body and the mind. Come on, bro. Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. It says, offer your bodies, okay. but also renew your mind. See, you've got to have both Come on. to be a living sacrifice awesome. for our God. Yeah. Come on, bro. Come on. You know, if we study the Bible, especially as men, we, we, we got a lot of body sacrifices that need to be made. Mm. Come on. You know what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. But, but also, we got a lot of mind sacrifices because that's where the battle starts. Every day you get out of bed, what are you tempted with? Billboards. Beautiful women. Thoughts of the internet stuff you looked at from the past. The mind is a battlefield that wants your body to lose control. And Paul says, hey, to be a living sacrifice, you got to have control of both. You know, every single day, after we come up out of the waters of baptism is a sacrifice. Because just like you made that single sacrifice when you decided to go into the waters of baptism and everyone in this room that's a baptized disciple remembers that day clearly. Yes. And just like you make a promise to God on that day, every day after that, you got to make the similar promise to hold to the one promise. It's very much like marriage. Yeah. How many married brothers we got in the room today? But here's a, a surprise, guys, for you single brothers. <laughs> marriage doesn't fix your purity. Come on. It doesn't solve all your problems. Yeah. You're the same guy you are when, before you get married. And marriage is so similar. Because every day, you have to make a decision to forsake all others. And keep the promise to your mate. It's the same thing as disciples. We make a decision every single day to offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. Now remember that the Jewish sacrifice, it had to be holy and unblemished. That was God's standard, was it not? But it's the exact same standard of a disciple today. We present our bodies and our minds as living sacrifices to God. Pure and holy. 
And that's why as disciples, we don't let our eyes look at the impure garbage on the TV. We change the channel immediately. We're a living sacrifice. That's why we don't let the unwholesome speech come out of our mouth. And the lies and the deceit. We control our tongues. That's a living sacrifice. We don't let our ears hear the garbage music about sex, drugs, murder. Because we're living sacrifices. We don't click on the little YouTube ad that comes on when we're surfing the internet at 3 a.m. when we should be sleeping. Amen? Amen. Because we are living sacrifices. That's what the Bible's talking about right there. You see, a sacrifice pleasing to God and holy to God is a set-apart man of God. God calls His sacrifices to be unblemished. When you read the Old Testament, you're reading about yourself. The Bible, we all know this, that the Bible says that, hey, everything that was written in the past was written for who? Us. To learn from as a warning, to understand God's heart and to live God's way. You know, I became a disciple at 19 years old. A few days ago. You know what I mean? I'm 34 years now old now. You do the math. But, but after two years, only two years uh, of being a disciple, I was converted on campus in, in Ohio, uh, Miami University. Um, so anybody American football fans here? Uh, you know who Ben, Ro- ben Roethlisberger? Anybody know him? Okay. I actually had class with Ben Roethlisberger. He was in my college. Um, but, uh, uh, but, but after two years, only two years of being a disciple, I started spending a little too much time with a sister in the church. Started getting a little too comfortable hanging out, being disciples. And before long... Our little hangouts turned into little secret dates, turned into immorality. Mm. And, and I want to call us today, hey, if, if we're spending a little too much time with sisters, brothers, it's time to repent before you follow my example. Because I lost, like the Bible says, I lost view of God's mercy. It says, in view of God's mercy, we do this. And I lost view of God's mercy. You know, God tried to disciple my life, but I wouldn't let him. He he still loved me. Even when we sin, God still loves you just as much. When you got baptized, guess what? God knew all the garbage you were going to commit after your baptism. And he decided to save you anyway. Isn't that amazing? You know, instead of humbling out, I embarrassed my way out of the kingdom. My discipler came to my door. Jake, just, just come back. It's, it's okay. No, we'll get through this. What's going on? Let's talk about that. I slammed the door in his face. And I said, never come back here again. Wow. I didn't hate the guy. I just was embarrassed and humiliated. And I turned to be a coward. And I ran away from my sin. You know, um, like Jonah, uh, I, I, I took myself down to... Nashville, Tennessee, after I graduated. Anybody knows Nashville, Tennessee? It's the country music capital of the world. So instead of being God's man, I decided to be a country music star and and run away from the the life that I knew God had called me to as a young man. And and, and, uh, I just practiced guitar. 
eight to ten hours a day, trying to fill my mind with other things, just running from God. And and before too long, I, I, after a gig, I, one night I found myself, as usual, drunk in a bar. Come on, Middle of the night, New Year's Eve. Mm. Not good. Not much good happens when you're drunk in a bar right. at midnight <laughs> on New Year's Eve. So this beautiful woman walks in and happens to sit down beside me. And by midnight, we were making out. Three months later, we were moved in together. Immorality, immorality, immorality. Totally off the track of what I once knew. And uh, a year later, we get married. Seemed like the right thing to do, right? You're living with her. Yeah, everything's okay. We get married. Come on, bro. And it was great for a while. Mm. We got a house. Mm. Wow. I got a cranking job. Come on, Jake. Wow. I had a wife. I had an amazing lawn business. I had a huge house. Four cars. Come was on. living the life. Come on. Wasn't worried about God's discipling anymore. Yeah. And I'll never forget. Come on, bro. After a, 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 one of my guitar gigs, a few years down the line, we were moving into a new house, and I was up in the attic, and uh, I'd laid a floor up in the attic. To store stuff. I'm big on storing things. So so it was a three-level condo. I'm up in the attic getting things down. We're getting to move, move to a new house. I handed things down to, to uh, my wife and my brother-in-law. And all of a sudden, I stumbled. Lost balance with a lamp in my hand. Overstepped too far to where there was no more floor in the attic. It was just drywall. Oh, Stepped on the drywall, and the interesting part of this location was it wasn't just to the floor, the next floor down. It was over the staircase to the basement. And as I was falling, literally, I was falling to hell. I knew so many men that had fallen so much less of a distance and died instantly. Or at least been paralyzed the rest right. of their life. Right. Come on. When they say your life flashes before your eyes, they're not kidding. The horror that gripped my body, because I knew what I left as a disciple, young man. I knew what I was into now, and I knew I was falling straight to hell. But again, in God's great mercy, I woke up on the basement floor. Searing in pain, dislocated hip, broken leg, neck just jacked up. Find myself in the hospital. Lucky to even be alive. And, and, and you know, I, I will never forget. I woke up, I looked at my sister. My sister was there in Nashville with me, my wife and in laws who knew nothing about my past as a disciple. <coughs> just my sister was in the room with me who knew my past as a disciple. Mm-hmm. I woke up, I looked her in the eye, and I said, Julie, I'm going back to God. She looked me in the eye and she said, that's a good idea. (laughs) 
took that shakeup of God's discipling to remind me that God loved me. And He wasn't letting go. You know, uh, a few months later, after I was able to get out of the hospital, and I, I got out of the hospital a few weeks later, but a few months later I recovered and, and I'm, I'm just desperate. So I'm, I'm searching the internet, trying to find the church that I left. Find a picture of a guy that I used to be in the campus ministry with. Mm. Call him, tell him the whole story. And, and then he's like, bro, you got to tell your, your wife about your past. You got you to get open. So anything but that. But is there anything else I can do? You know, so you got to get open about everything. And I had actually committed an emotional affair with my wife that I never told her about with another woman at work. My emotional affair it wasn't physical, but but we'd confessed love for each other as I'm with another woman. Um, and and he said, "Bro, you got to get open about that too." So I told my my ex-wife everything. Uh, I, I told her, and, and she took her ring off and chucked it across the room. But it didn't get better from there. All of a sudden, three months later, after I tell her about the church and everything that's going on, uh, I said, babe, we actually, I need, I need you to study the Bible. She, behind my back three months later, had organized... Uh, a meeting. Mm, come on. And I'll never forget March 25th, 2000 and, uh, 2008. Mm. I woke up in the back of my big house, had my quiet time, came out of the living room, and in my living room was my whole family. Keep in mind, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. They're from Ohio. If you know anything about states, that's states away. You don't just have a drive down the street and have a cup of coffee with your son. <laughs> so I walk out and I say, Dad. Uh, 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 good morning. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> mom. Uh, uh, oh, hey, best friend's mom that I grew up with. Oh, well, hey, that's awkward. What are you doing here? Yeah. And her family's all around, around, sitting around and looking at me. And then I see a guy in the corner I'd never seen before in my life, but he had a notebook and he looked pretty professional. And I knew exactly what this was. It was an intervention. Wow. It was a deprogramming session. Wow. And my, my, uh, my family actually kidnapped me, really. They locked me in the house, took away my keys, called my job, told him, he's sick, he can't come to work. Blocked my truck in the driveway. Said, we need to talk about this cult that you're in. And so two days later, after two full days of this mess, I hold my ground, Amen. remembering the terror I felt Amen. falling through the attic that they had no idea about. And I found myself that night, the second night, um, sitting on the bed of my truck watching my ex-wife, I say ex-wife now because she's my ex-wife now, carry everything out of the house with her family. She said, you know what? If you're not willing to leave this church, this cult, I'm leaving you. I lost my home. Mm. I lost my job. Mm. I lost my cars. Mm. And she took all the money out of our bank account. I was completely broke. Mm. And I called the the brother in New York City and said, what happened? Because he hadn't been able to contact me for two days. And, And he said, bro... 
you need to move to New York yeah. and be with the family. And so, in tears, I left everything behind. Come on, bro. And I moved to New York to be with the disciples. And, and I'll never forget, actually, those of you who, who, uh, who know Kwaku, uh, Sarkadi, um, I ended up on his couch. So, he has a funny joke. He says, hey, I'll never forget Jake, the guy who fell out of the attic and onto my couch. <laughs> What was awesome is, 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 is it, that's what it took to, to get my attention. Wow. The discipling of God. And in my cowardice, I ran from his discipling and he brought the hammer down. Come on. But at least I was finally able to see God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, I had to become a living sacrifice. But in my case, it was an involuntary one. I'm just glad it wasn't a dead one. Turn over to Psalm chapter 16, verse 5. You know, God wants to disciple your life. Why? Because he wants you to make it to heaven. That's it. And as we learned last night uh, from our our brother uh, Michael over here, he says, hey, he's working hard to conform you in the image of his son. Yes. Because we have got to look like Jesus to enter into heaven. Mm-hmm. Do you know that? Yeah. You've got to look like his son mm-hmm. to pass into the gates of heaven. What, what Galatians 3.27 tells us that when God looks down on earth, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. Yeah. Because we're clothed with Christ. You know, it's amazing, like, so many times brothers think, uh, and I used to be this way, like, when you blow it one day, you can feel great one day in your quiet time, then, then you really tank the next day. So, so you think you're in God's grace one day, and then, oh, man, bad day, I'm out of God's grace again. Oh, I'm not saved. Oh, yep, I'm saved again, had a great quiet time. Oh, no, crap, I looked at that girl, man, just down. That's not the way God works. Come on, bro. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. That should fire us up. Because God knows exactly what he's doing with your life. Psalm 16, here in verse 5, is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. Mm, You have made my lot secure. The boundaries for me have fallen in pleasant places. Surely. I have a delightful inheritance. Wow, come on. But I want us to really look at the first sentence of this scripture and understand what he's talking about. David says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. What is he saying? Well, a portion is an awesome thing. Yeah. A por- you know when you're super hungry and you see you know, like a, all the brothers are around and, and there's like only one large pizza there, you know what I mean? And, and, and your portion is as big as you can possibly get it without discouraging the other brothers. But it, 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 you, you, your portion is that, oh it's, it's, oh, it's my portion. It's the goodness. It's the goodness of God. That's what he's saying. God, God has assigned you all the good things in your life. As much as you need. But, on the other hand, he's also assigned you your cup. Mm. Come on. Now, if you know anything about 
the cup when Jesus was in the garden, did he want to drink it? No. No. He said, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to drink it. But he had to drink it down to the dredges and go to the cross. And the Bible says here that God is in perfect control of your portion, all the good stuff, but he's also in control of all the stuff that you're struggling with. But what's amazing is, is God promises never to make your cup too much. He'll never allow you to, to have a, a, a too big of a cup that you can't handle it. He'll always provide a way out. And I think the fact that God knows what he's doing with your life should give you a sense of peace this morning. Man, I can let him disciple my life and enjoy the process. Because is this a roller coaster or not? There's... But what's encouraging is the roller coaster is never going to come off the tracks. There might be some times when you lose your cookies, if you know what I mean. But on God's roller coaster, there's ups and downs, and you can actually enjoy it. I enjoy roller coasters, and I hate them at the same time. You know, but but I think the reason we often don't let Him disciple our lives is due to the fact we don't have a view of God's mercy. You know, we we like to pray, God, take away all my problems, take away my cup. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. It's too much. But you know what you're really saying? Here's the translation of that prayer. Dear God, please take away all my problems so I don't need you anymore. Come on, bro. What areas are you failing to let God disciple your life this morning? What, what cup are you drinking that seems to be too much? You know, God likes to get you right on here. And he likes to push down a little bit more. And you know what we like to say? Get me out of here! <laughs> Where are you fighting against him not being a living sacrifice? You know, maybe you've given up on being a living sacrifice. Asking, man, is this really worth it anymore? I've been waiting so long for that special sister. I've been waiting so long for this job. She's not coming through. Maybe I'll go get my comfort somewhere else. And we start bringing an unclean, blemished offering to God. You know, many of us, many of you in this room are struggling with impurity. Whether it's on the internet, whether it's in your mind, lustful thoughts, lustful looks, double looks, triple looks, quadruple looks on the But I put before you that that in itself is a symptom. You know when you get a, a temperature? Yeah. 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 The temperature's not the root issue. It's a symptom that there's a problem in your body. And I have a deep conviction that that's the same thing with impurity. It's a comfort. Because the Bible says God's a God of all comfort. There's no other comfort out there. But we go to the other comfort. Because we don't have a view of God's mercy. You know, if we're struggling with impurity, you're looking at your life and say, this week, man, and I haven't even gotten open. What's awesome, we're having D groups after this, is God's giving you a chance to get open. But, But 
what I want to challenge each and every one of us on, Come on bro. is to go on a date with God. Mm-hmm. You ever been on a date with God? Yeah. I went on dates with God all the yeah. time. And then I got a, you know, baby and a wife, and I guess go on a date with her. And I, like, <laughs> God understands that, you know, I got to balance the dates here. I'm double dating. Um, but, but go on a date with God. Come on, bro. Go to McDonald's and buy two combos. <laughs> one for you, one for God. Go down to a river or a body of water and, and you, you toss a cheeseburger in the river. I've done this before. This is awesome. And you say, yeah, bon appetit. <laughs> uh, enjoy it. It's a, it's a double Whopper combo. My favorite. I got to and, and, and then have the little Coke. Maybe God like, maybe God's a Pepsi guy. I don't know. But, but you have your Coke there. And what I would used to do is sit by the river and just talk to God. Fall in love and pour a little bit out. And pour a little bit more out as I'm talking. And, and I can see him drinking his Coke. He's sitting there enjoying his Coke with me. And it's super weird. The world would be like, what the heck? You're excited. I'm go down to the clinic and get you some help. But I'll never forget. Those dates with God fixed my impurity. They fixed it. I want to put before you to fall in love with God again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. You are a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Every day becoming more like Jesus than you were yesterday. Today, you should be more like Jesus than you were yesterday. Tomorrow, guess what? You're going to be more like Jesus than you are right now. You know, where could you go in your life this year if you let God disciple it? Think, if I have a, think about it. If, if, if you make a decision to have an amazing time with God every day in 2015, the kind of man that you'll be yeah. on January 1st, 2016. Yeah. Oh my gosh, guys. You're going to struggle. Right. You're going to have a cup. Mm-hmm. You know, but have an iron body this year when no one's looking. Mm, yes. You're going to be stretched this year and tested. Come on. But I want to challenge you. Have an iron mind. Not conforming to the pattern of this world. Come on. And the Bible says then. Then we can test and approve. See, there's there's a cause and effect. Just like John 8, 31, we teach it all the time. Hey, to the Jews who believe, you got to hold to the teachings. Then you know the truth. It's like a science experiment. You got to do the science experiment and then get the result. Amen? We understand that. Well, here, what's the science experiment? You got to have an iron mind and an iron body and an unblemished sacrifice. Then you can see God's will for your life. A half an hour goes much faster. Than you think. <laughs> I just got the five minute mark. Entrusted to your brother. Point number two. Entrusted to your brother. First Peter, we're gonna fly. First Peter chapter five. Verse one. Says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one 
who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing. As God wants you to be not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You know, Peter gives a charge to old men and young men. We need flesh and blood examples in our lives. Yes. You know, as disciples, we love the idea, you know, uh, of of detox. Hey, because man, in the world, they pay big money for this. We get to have men and brothers in our lives to help us see what's on the back of our neck. Because you need a man in your life to help you see what's on the back of your neck. Because you've never been in that position before. I've never been married with a kid before. I need help from a married brother with kids. You've never been in the position you've, you, you are right now, before. Yeah, come on. And what's awesome is the Bible says that you can be at peace because God is watching. Amen. God opposes the proud. If there's something in your life that, man, it's like this brother's not helping me with her, it doesn't matter. God has put him in your life for a reason, and God will oppose anybody that's proud. You know, I've entrusted my full life to Tim Kernan. You say, well, Tim's an awesome brother. Well, I've decided to do that with a discipler before him, and a disciple before him, and my discipler before him. And, and God has blessed my life. Quick story. In, uh, I thought it was over. You know, I, I'd come back in the kingdom and everything's great. But God actually put a, a, another woman in my life who I got engaged to in the kingdom. Amen. Um, come on. And, and, and at, through our relationship, actually, it came out. And I thought, man, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And, man, this is God's gift for all my hard work and all my repentance. <laughs> We set the marriage date, set the wedding date. Turns out she's hiding alcoholism. Boom. And and I stayed with her through some rehabs. But it was clear that she wasn't repenting. And I had a brother tell me, bro, you got to break it off. You got to break it off. I said, no way. This is God's blessing in my life. And I, I, I prayed and I said, okay. I entrusted my life to my brother. I'm putting my life in his hands. I'm letting go of this beautiful woman. And I did it and I broke it off. And I'll never forget how mad she got. And it became very clear that she was in it for me, not for God. And she left the church. You know, it's a tough thing to put your life in a brother's hand. But that's how God works. God lives in unapproachable light. He can't come and have a D time with you weekly at Starbucks. Over tea and biscuits. But, but he can put a brother in your life because he knows exactly what you need. Yeah. Trusting a brother is trusting God. Amen. You know, there's a quick story and I'll close here. I'll never forget. There was a little boy who wanted to play with his dad. He said, Dad, come play with me. And the dad said, I don't have time. I, I really don't. Son, you know, um, I, uh, I got to get this work done. And, and, the, and the boy said, Dad, but, but please, please, please. He said, no, son. No, son. But 
please, uh, just come throw the ball with me. And he said, okay, son, here, here, here's a map. He had a map laying there of the world. And, and the, 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 the man, the, the father tore the map up and he, he said, okay, you go put this map back together and come back and once you're done, we can play. And so the boy, okay, and he leaves the room. And he says, well, 10 minutes later, the, the, the son comes back and he's done with the whole world map. And the dad's blown away. He's like, how did you do that so fast? And the little boy turns the map back over. He's taped it all together. But he takes the world map and he, he turns it over. And there's a picture of a man on the back. And the boy realized, wow, there's a picture of the man on the back. And so what he did was he put the man back together. And he said, Daddy, I knew that if I put the man back together, that I could put the world back together. And, and, and I think as men, we've got to understand that, that we're in it together. We, we have got to understand that every time that we, we, we get with God in our quiet times, He's discipling us. Every situation in your life is a discipling from God. But, but we've got to be transformed in every way, even through discipling relationships that you're in right now. Mm. And, and if we can fix the men, we can fix the world. Oh I love you guys very much. Have a great winter workshop. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.